unpredictability is a privilege of the talented. This team is not talented enough to be unpredictable like you want them to. That's not a Tim Kelly issue. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, November the 15th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined as always by Logan Shut already making me lose composure in the comments. That gummit. Joined by my fantastic producer, JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? I'm good, you know. Glad to be back here for this episode. That you you came to me today and said you had a lot to talk about. Oh, um, baby. However, I don't really care about that. I'm more interested. In, I'm putting an over under of how many um, phrases or sayings that that you say in this episode. I'm gonna put okay. it at five and a half today. The over under. Do um, metaphors go in that category or no? I, I mean, would you consider like your your bona fide classic? Can't make or make chicken salad, salad out, of, out of chicken. You know what? What would you? That's, I mean, no, that's, that's a saying. I'd say a metaphor. I mean, I guess there's some crossover there. I'd say a metaphor is more drawn out than that. Maybe we'll, um, let, so. maybe we'll let the audience to decide. But that's maybe what I'm setting the line at. Five and a half. Okay, five and a half. That feels appropriate. That sounds like me. And I don't even. I mean, I've got our show outlined here. I've got some bits scripted up so I can remember what I want to say. And uh, I'm not even seeing a bunch of those, but I'm sure knowing me, I will uh, find a way to slot those in there. Yes. So excited. I've not been this excited about a midweek show in a while because I was it kind of caught me off guard, JT. Sitting down a couple hours ago, prepping for the show, condensing my thoughts, really boiling it down to get it all into our one hour format. And I realized, man, I've got some, I've got, I'm going to be pitching with gas today, man. I, not to pat myself on the back too hard, but I've just, I've got some really strong thoughts and some very poignant timely titans topics that i can't wait to get into we're embracing debate on today's show i am encouraging anybody and everybody to get in here live on a tuesday evening i'm going to tell you why i think most of you are wrong about some things and i want you to tell me why you think you're right and why i'm wrong and i would i would love jt's going to help me out and be the voice of the people in the comments today so to do that you got to go over to broadway sports media's youtube page that's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll find this live stream there. So leave Twitter, leave Facebook, wherever you're watching this live. Go over there and join our buddy Logan in the comments. In the comment section of that live stream on YouTube, that's where you can be a part of the conversation. We can see what you have to say on our end. Throw it up on the screen, and JT can um, voice your opinions for you and tell me how stupid and wrong I am. But JT, I tweeted out just a minute ago before the show, just to tease today's topics, on today's show, I'm going to tell you why I think you're wrong to be putting Mike Vrabel on the hot seat, why you're wrong to be upset with Tim Kelly, why the fix for the Titans offensive line is incredibly simple, and I have three or four other things that didn't even fit into the tweet. So I, I cannot wait for today's show, and I cannot wait for Thursday evening. We'll be live with our wonderful and amazing sponsors over at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Yes, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House is the company that brings you this fine podcast, this fine YouTube video program. We love Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. We are partnered with the Spring Hill location, which is just a 20, 25-minute drive down the interstate if you're in the Nashville area. It's a lovely area. It's a nice, quiet retreat from the city, but it is a fantastic, electric, delicious place to grab a bite, grab a drink, 
and watch whatever's going on in the world of sports because they got a million TVs in there, big screen, high definition, volume turned up. It is really fantastic. We love doing our show live at 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time every single Thursday this season at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill. JT and I are there each and every week doing gift card giveaways, recording the show live on location before Thursday Night Football, and then hanging around for Thursday Night Football. And praise the good Lord above, JT. Our Thursday night matchup this week is going to be so much fun. We've toiled through some real, I mean, just like the Surgeon General of the United States does not recommend the consumption of this product level of thursday night football games last week we had what was it bears panthers is that what it was yes oh god God. i mean we were contractually obligated to sit through at least half of that game and it i couldn't i there was nothing memorable about it i couldn't tell you what happened at all um I, i i've already forgotten who won to be honest with you this will not be the case tomorrow we've got a divisional slobber knocker Bengals, ravens maybe an elimination game for your bungles, JT. I mean, the 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 jungle needs to, to show out. To my, it's, it's in Cincinnati, correct? It's in uh, Baltimore. Oh, no. Okay, so this is a really big deal. I mean, this is going to be a yes. tough task. Both teams, I'm sure, displeased with the fact that they lost close, close games this past Sunday on a short week. And if Cincinnati loses, it's going to be it's going to be detrimental to their playoff chances. How are you feeling ahead of this fantastic game that all the fine folks listening to the show should come out and hang with us and watch together in person on Friday on our dime? Uh, not great, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think I think the Bengals are like 114 in night primetime games over the last like however many seasons. So um not not feeling great about this, but you know, still going <laughs> to see what happens. You'll be there you know? watching yep, it. I will sure. be there watching it and seeing what happens. And if, if at a certain point in the game, you decide that you need to drink your sorrows away, you can do that in delicious fashion. I with can. The, the great, true. the great selection on tap there. Boomba's craft pizza and tap house. So check them out wherever you are. Three locations in middle Tennessee, East Nashville, Murfreesboro and Spring Hill, as well as locations in Kentucky and Indiana. So check them out. All right, JT. Plenty of topics to get to. And again, if you're listening with us live, do me one quick personal favor. Very simple. Hit a like button. Hit the thumbs up button if you're on YouTube. Copy the link and send this live show to a friend, a buddy, a family member. Hit that retweet button. Whatever you can do. We want to get as many eyeballs on this live product as possible. And uh, it would be considered a personal favor if you could do that for me. Kenneth, our buddy Kenneth in the comments. Love telling Easton. Uh, that he's wrong, especially about the defense. Yeah, just a quick shout before we and and I we've got Mon and one of the horsemen of the hot read apocalypse in here as well. He said he can't stay long, but one thing he wanted to ask is rather than Vrabel, is Mike Bo- Mike Bowen, Shane Bowen on the hot seat, considering the fact that the Titans defense as a whole has regressed when Stell's d- double comment here, staying relatively healthy. Whereas last year injuries plagued us, but we were still a top tier defense up front for the better part of the last two years. Fantastic question, Monin. And for the purposes of time on today's show, I have to direct you to a football show from Monday. I filled in once again. My Vegas residency on a football show came to a close on Monday. Zach was lost in the Caribbean. They found him. He's going to be back for Thursday's show. I did three straight shows with Braden. It was a great time. All three episodes. As an unbiased observer, I have to tell you, they're pretty fantastic. You should check them out once you're done listening with us live here. But... We talked a lot on Monday about this defense. Braden and I got into one of the most heated debates I've ever been a part of on any 
form of media and any format, audio, digital, video, or otherwise. Um, it was very spirited debate. I think it was very constructive debate. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, an hour of shock jock radio. Where we're just screaming back and forth at each other. We both present some very strong points and we spend a, like 40 minute chunk of the middle of the episode debating whether this defense, in my opinion, despite their flaws and shortcomings have done enough to win the ball game in all but one game this year and cannot be blamed for the, the wholesale situation of this Tennessee Titans team. Braden, on the other hand, talking about how he thinks this defense stinks and deserves scrutiny. So we go back and forth on that a lot. If you want the answer to that, Mon, and if you want the answer to that, Kenneth, Kenneth, I think you already checked this out, but if you haven't listened to it, um, we go deep on that in that episode. So a football show, another product here on the 440 Podcast Network. Check it out, but only once we're done here. What we are going to discuss today, JT, as I've buried the lead for about seven, eight minutes now. Um, we're talking Mike Vrabel. We're talking Tim Kelly. We're talking offensive line and fixing problems. Let's start with Mike Vrabel. And this is predicated on a tweet of mine that got a decent amount of play. I think I sent it out on Monday. Um, but the tweet reads as follows. If we can just start from step one. I said on Mike Vrabel and his hot seat. At the end of the day, it's as simple as this. You just fired your GM for making a mess of your personnel and asset situation. Firing your proven head coach for not succeeding with said mess would be very hypocritical and short-sighted. So there are two directions I want to take this in today, JT. One is to start with a very important message on this topic, allowing me to elaborate on what is some important context here that I'm certain is going to go in one ear and out the other of 97% of the people listening. So really, it's futile and dumb for me to bring it up. But for my own well-being, I have to. And it's very it truly is important, even though it's the kind of thing that our modern times, our digital age will try desperately, does constantly try desperately to tell you doesn't matter and you should ignore um, and then the second thing is, let's take this idea to its logical conclusion, which I think is a very obvious question, and I'll attempt to answer that question today. Stoney saying in the comments, he just got here, had the Titans fired the entire front office and coaching staff yet. Yeah, no, Stoney, but you're in for a treat. Let's dive into this topic. First point. This is going to go largely ignored, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, there's some There's some nuance here that's required, and as is the case with pretty much everything in life, but in this context in particular, very, very few things are an exception to this rule. Nothing in life is black and white. There is always some shade of gray that is the reality. The truth is somewhere in the middle, right? And this is no exception, okay? To say that Mike Vrabel shouldn't be on the hot seat, to say that it's foolish and short-sighted and premature and hypocritical to... to have Mike Vrabel's job at this present moment threatened does not mean that he is faultless, that he is blameless, that he is perfect. The opposite. If you follow my work and you follow me on social media and you follow this show, you know that I've been saying these things. I've been critical of Mike Vrabel. On a, I feel like we've done that on a pretty regular basis on this show, JT. He's not been at his best this year. He's not been at his best in the past calendar year. So there are absolutely some shortcomings some issues that he has that need addressing the fact that he should you know be he should be secure in his job does not erase the fact that he is is fallible and if you're looking for a perfect coach i know 32 professional nfl franchises that are in need of a new head coach suddenly in this moment i mean that's just the nature 
of people. That's the nature of the league. There's nobody that's perfect at these things. Um, but the other the other point I want to make is let, let's take this to its logical conclusion, right? Mike Vrabel shouldn't be on the hot seat now. Fine. I think that the natural response is, okay, then when? Then when is Mike Vrabel going to be held fully or mainly responsible for the Titans situation? When is he going to be on the hot seat for failing to perform? When are the results this Titans team put up on the field going to be a direct reflection of him? Great question. Fair question. I think the obvious answer here is once he's doing less with more, right? Mike Vrabel's superpower for a large part of his tenure as the Titans head coach has been doing more with less. That's what's made him so electric and so fun to back. And he, he's garnered the respect of largely everyone across the league as a guy that gets every last drop out of the squeeze of that lemon, no matter what his roster looks like. And I think that performance earlier on in his career, that bar that he set for himself is part of the reason why he's he's now gotten himself in some trouble in terms of the narrative, right? It's it's part of the reason why folks' expectations are so sky high on him then that when suddenly, like this season, like the past 17, 18, 19 games, whatever the number is, he's not been succeeding, not pulled that rabbit out of the hat a couple of times, folks are starting to ask why. Folks are starting to wonder if he's slipping or if he's lost the locker room or if his message isn't resonating with these players anymore. And that's fair. But my ultimate point here is if you're looking for when you have to point at Mike Vrabel and say, you're on the hot seat, man, this is on you. I mean, you look at Sean McDermott in Buffalo right now. He's at that point, right, where he's pulled his fire a couple of coordinators to get a get out of jail free card. He's run out of coordinators to fire. Like now the, the arrow is pointed squarely at him. He knows it's on him. Mike Ribble's not to that point yet. But when he's at that point, will be when he's doing less with more. There's nothing about this team, this roster currently, that you can say is more. I mean, there's no more there. It's all less, right? So if you want to argue right now he's doing what you'd expect with less, or maybe even that he's doing a little bit less with less, fine. Sure, we can have that conversation. And again, he's, he's not infallible. He's made some mistakes this season that I take serious issue with. You can't argue he's doing less with more because there's no more there. Now, after maybe an offseason that's coming up where Rand Carthon and company have $100 million of cash to spend, and they've got draft picks where they can address key needs, a high draft pick in each round where they can address key needs and put some real dudes, some real talent on this roster, inject, infuse it with the guys that it needs to be able to succeed. And then Mike Vrabel is doing what he's currently doing his team is performing like it's currently performing then we can have that conversation then we can have that discussion but right now he's just squarely not there he's not on that plane where you can say this guy he's not succeeding with the level of talent and resources at his disposal i would argue he is doing exactly what you'd expect anybody to do with this level of talent he's a very very good coach in my opinion but he's not a miracle worker, and it would take a miracle worker, I think, to find significant success with this state of the roster. JT, what do the folks in the comments have to say about my thoughts on this? 
Yeah, well, first of all, Kenneth says, when you lose 13 of the last 16, you are on the hot seat regardless of context. According to fans, get... you are, but I'm saying it shouldn't be that case. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, you don't get the per personnel excuse until the end of time, which is true. However, I think an interesting way to take this question. Well, that's my point, right? Is that um, it's not until the end of time. It's until he has the personnel, Kenneth. But, I mean, interesting, because I think Logan brings up a, a good point, which says, do you think Ran wants Vrabel out to get his own guy? Obviously, no, no, I, I think this is an interesting conversation, though, because if, if Ran doesn't believe that, that this is who he wants leading the, the personnel, obviously, this is a big turning point for the Titans next year. $100 million worth of cap space can almost, uh, along with the draft picks that they have right now, with how high those draft picks are, can start to turn a, a franchise into a whole different look and, and a totally different team, uh, unlike just the the minor adjustments every year. So I think that is the where truly I think there is an argument to be made that if there's a hot seat, it's because Rand simply just wants to move in a different direction next year with how much um, the the team could change. Yeah, and Logan, it's a, it's a fair question. It's it's uh it's it's based in in historical data. Like you always hear, every GM wants their guy eventually, right? And that's true, and that's fair. Uh, a couple of things on this. One, I I I do not think I'm pretty confident in saying they're not at that point. Rand's not going. He's not going to go to Miss Amy's office and say, you know, you know what, Mike Mike's got to go. I've been here for nine games. And I'm calling for you to, because it's not his call, right? This is not like other GM situations where the GM, you know, John Robinson hired Mike Vrabel. It goes Mike Vrabel, John Robinson, maybe Adam Strunk. That's kind of the power dynamic. And he could hire or fire the head coach. It's not like that. Miss Amy, I keep calling her, Amy Adam Strunk to be professional, uh, <laughs> made it very clear in the spring when they hired Rand Carthen that the power structure is Mike Vrabel, Rand Carthen, Amy Adam Strunk. They are equals answering to her maybe that changes in the future and if they get to the point where you are starting to point fingers at mike vrabel he's got the personnel and he's he's making chicken you know what out of chicken salad it's the, it's the inverse there's one of your sayings jt mark that down ever take a drink i then then you might get amy adam strunk frustrated ran carthon frustrated and then those two meet and they're like you know what we it's it's amy's call but ran's on board and it's it's time to make a change i'm not saying that's impossible to get to but I am saying I don't think they're anywhere near that. Again, in the grand scheme of things, we're nine games into this tenure as Rand Carthen being the GM. They're one offseason down, an offseason where, again, to refer back to the original tweet, you just fired your GM for putting your franchise, for putting your head coach in a complete and utter mess in terms of personnel and future assets to spend on better personnel. Okay, that was why you fired it. it wasn't because AJ Brown torched the Titans the week, but like that, I'm sure, is the straw that broke the camel's back. We've been down that road. But you fired him because he made a mess to turn around and fire the head coach nine games after essentially you know, in the new season, nine games after you made that move and admitted it was a mess because he wasn't making chicken salad out of that mess is stupid. It's it's dumb. You got to you got to let him get the ingredients to make the chicken salad before you say you made a bad chicken salad, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so. It's just an interesting thought, I think, and one that I think Logan was moving towards. Uh, a couple more in here. Uh, Kenneth comes back in and says, you don't get to let Vrabel say in the offseason we aren't rebuilding, then come back and say, no, my bad, we can't compete <laughs> with this roster, which I don't think is exactly what he's saying, but it is fair to say that this team, and, and it's hard, I guess, with 
with a new GM coming in because obviously more than they want to admit, it is a transition period for this team. As we saw this last week with TK McClendon being uh, active last week, 13 rookies, both drafted and undrafted, have been activated on this roster this season for the Titans team. Right. You, you cannot deny that, that this team is not anywhere near to- competing at, at a higher level because of that fact. And I love this Tony in the comments saying he's essentially getting nothing out of this besides wanting a chicken salad. That's fair. It is about getting close to dinner time here. Uh, Kenneth. Yeah. I mean you, but you can though, you can let him say that because you have to take into consideration where this team was in terms of their team building cycle, right? This is, this is a team that had a lot of big contracts that were expiring at the end of this season, right at the beginning of 2024. And you needed to let those play out. You could have gone full files fire sale mode, but they felt like they owed it to a lot of these players and they owed it to this team and this franchise to play that out, transition on the fly. It's kind of a trying to see if you might can get lucky and have your cake and eat it too and transition at the same time that you're competing. But the fail safe, the, the you know, break glass in case of emergency, it's not a situation where you're going to try to have your cake and eat it too and somehow end up with neither. They knew that worst case, which you could argue they're in right now, they'll at least have the cake. They may not get to eat it yet. If they're bad, then great, but you're still rebuilding, right? You may not compete, but you are still getting to rebuild. And if you are really bad, then you put yourself in a better situation to rebuild. And no matter what the Titans do this season, they are always and still going to have that $100 million in cash cap, cap cash to spend this upcoming season. Nothing they do this season can change that outside of crazy, ill-advised contract decisions. Um, any more thoughts before we move on to another head coach that's or another coach on this roster that's coming under some scrutiny? Yeah, we just have a few more here. Um, Joshua comes in here and says, Carthen should be held accountable for lack of direction this offseason, which I totally disagree, Josh. It's it's an interesting one to think about because he says they gambled and lost and they should be held accountable for that. But I think I'm with you where you're about to take this is that it's the dude's first offseason. Like, right. And in and the way were so tight, he the didn't have a hundred million dollars yeah. in cash cap to spend. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a full draft of picks to to you like. Uh, not to cut you off JT, but that's essentially what you're going to yes. say, right? Like he, he didn't, he only had so much that he could do. And Josh, I value your input and I appreciate you commenting, but I just, I couldn't disagree with, with that more again, because of the context here. Anything else? Uh, yeah. And then one more on variable real quick here. Um, Evan, Evan James here has an interesting one where he says, I think they need to present a clear direction for the fans. The middle ground of rebuilding and competing is confusing. And then offers this sure. question, which I think is an interesting way to, to continue the variable conversation of what bar would you set for variable going into 2024? If we're talking in terms of just like keeping his job again, it's assuming they go out and they get a, you know, a T Higgins and they draft a couple of offensive linemen that can start right away. And, you know, a high draft pick tackle to slot in there. And, you know, they make some, they spend that cash cap to, to address the, again, this is a pirate ship. That is what, What's the scene in Pirates of the Caribbean? That's a it's a classic gif of the British guy that's walking in slow motion at the end the where, where the, where the uh, where, where and there's the, just it's just getting blown up from both body sides. parts flying and shards of wood and his ship is actively sinking and disintegrating and he's just ex- accepting it and breathing it all in like that's where this ship is right now. It's not got a little leak on the lower deck. It's we're taking on water bad. Um, so yeah, I I I think that the bar is assuming they get those guys and there's some talent. It it, it obviously revolves around Levis, right? That it, it, whether, oh, man, I just flew into my eyeball. Um, 
it i know of course on a podcast great product um it, it's one of those things where fair or not in the nfl you are judged la- largely by the development and play of your quarterback right that's that's what's going to happen um so building around levis successfully finding ways to get levis into successful situations allowing him to succeed um again just it, it, i know it's generic but it's the truth getting back to that feeling as a head coach where it's like man mike vrabel he's going to get every last drop out of the squeeze of that lemon he's going to get more out of less with his roster and again one offseason is probably not going to it's not going to perfectly fix a roster um it's hard to perfect any roster no matter how much time or, or assets you have to throw at it but it's going to get it to a place where it should be in much better shape and they should be able to find like if they can start building finding momentum because this season is the that's this is the bottom floor this is the foundation of the rebuild right it's from here you're moving up and if mike dribble's not moving up that's when it starts to come into question yeah, and then the last one here, just uh, just an interesting thought because it is it's <laughs> worth mentioning that Charlie here says having a hundred million dollars with the wrong person shopping will turn you into the Chicago Bears, though. So I, I totally if, fair. If the the point there is that Vrabel and Rand Carthen better be collaborating their butts off and and be on the same page if if they want to continue to rise this season. The one that always comes to mind for me, the bears is a great example. The one that comes to mind, what was it? 2019, 2020 new England Patriots. where they had like 130 million. They gave Johnny Smith a gajillion dollars. They gave, uh, who else? The a receiver from the Raiders. I think they brought, um, Oh, who's the guy who can't catch. I'm so dumb. Nelson Aguilar, uh, Nelson Aguilar. They paid Hunter Henry. They paid. And, and then it was like, you, and the Jaguars are a great example of this closer to home for Titans fans. What do they say? What do we say every offseason? The team that wins the offseason is rarely the team that's winning in the regular season. So it's it's actually kind of scary, I think, if you have any patience, wisdom, perspective on the league to have so much money. You really need to use it frugally. You need to use it wisely and prudently. Like it's it's a tricky. It is not a it's like, I don't know. It kind of feels like giving a hundred dollar bill to a to a five-year-old sending them into the store and you're just like, Oh God, what are they going to come out of there with? I hope it's not a complete and utter waste of my money. Um, so that's, that's kind of where they're at. Let me say one more thing on the Mike Vrabel topic. And then for time, we really do have to move on here. I want to, I want to address kind of a, a more meta 10,000 foot perspective on the way that fan bases work in the NFL and just how they naturally operate. There are three pillars of any franchise that fan bases, when things are going poorly, They're going to get their pitchforks. They're going to light their torches and come to the door of one of three individuals, right? It's the quarterback. It's the head coach. It's the GM. That's stop number one. One of those three, regardless of of what is happening, when things are going poorly, you got to point a finger at one of those guys. That's the way that it always works. And there's typically a natural cycle to these things. As guys come in, they're new, they're fresh. um, And you can kind of point fingers at the, the, the most tenured guy or the guy that you think is most responsible. But for this team in particular, and to take the Bills as a recent example, right? Like the, Josh Allen is brought in. You can't address the quarterback anymore, right? Like obviously Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It can't be his fault, right? But the, the GM, we feel like he's done a decent enough job. Okay, it's, let's point to the let's point to the head coach, right? That's that's where we're gonna go first is the head coach. Things aren't going well here in Buffalo. Let's point at the head coach. Well, here in Tennessee, the first finger was the GM, and John Robinson got fired, and Rand Carthen got hired in his place. 
Okay, you can't can't point to Rand Carthen now. Like things are going great. You can't show up at his door at the pitchforks. He just got here, and what he's done, we've talked through this. It's largely been good. Like Andre Dillard is the is the biggest wart on his resume, and he really didn't have a choice there. He had to sign somebody. Okay, well, it can't be the quarterback. It it was there for a minute. Folks were knocking relentlessly at the door of Ryan Tannehill for like the last two years at minimum, saying this guy's got to go. He's the problem. Get him out of there. He's out of there. It's Will Levis now. He's been here for 10 seconds. He's shown a lot of promise so far. You're not, no one's going to be pointing at him and saying he's the problem. Okay, so naturally, it's not the GM. It's not the quarterback. It's going to be the head coach. So it's not shocking in the least that Mike Vrabel is that guy right now because he's the next one up. He's the next one on the on the shopping list, on the to-do list of the angry mob. And so they're going to be at his door if and until the Titans start to turn things around. And then they'll go home and they'll relax. But for now, and for the foreseeable future, it's going to be Vrabel. And that shouldn't surprise anybody. Just because it's naturally Vrabel, however, does not mean that he is to blame here and that you shouldn't have some more patience. All right, last call, JT. Any more thoughts on that before we move on? Um, yeah, just, just a few here, uh, because we have a couple here, but I, I have a thing, a feeling that it's going to be more into what we're going to talk about next. Okay. So do you want to, let's hang on. Okay. Let's hang off on it then. Uh, let's talk about Tim Kelly, Titans offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, first year as the coordinator for the Titans offense. And there has been a lot of folks naturally, because the offense has, again, if you want to check out a football show for Monday, we talk largely, and I, I contend largely that. The offense has been letting this team down. The defense has done enough in almost every single game this year to win the ball game. So it's on the offense. So naturally, fans, maybe the most, just per capita, JT, I feel like offensive coordinator might be the most blamed position on any football team from any fan base. Like it's it's very typical, right, for the fans to go. But the offensive coordinator, it can't be the athletes. We love those guys. Those guys can play. It's got to be the guy telling them what to do that's making the mistakes. Man, Tim Kelly's doing the things, man. I- I'm telling you, like, this is a, I tried, I try not to facetiously argue on this show. Like you got to learn ball, got to watch the tape on this one, man. Y'all got to learn ball. You got to watch the tape on Tim Kelly. Like he's, he's doing the things he's, he's scheming up the looks like last week he's putting Chigakonkwo there on the goal line, getting him open so he can volleyball set a pass that hits him in both hands up into the air. And it's going to get intercepted except Deandre Hopkins punches it out in a really savvy move. Like, He's getting the guy screaming up, Chigakongo again, screaming up the sideline on that right-hand side in New Orleans and gets him wide open on the trick play and he drops the ball. He's getting the he's getting NWI on the play action last week, trying to get a spark, screaming down the right-hand side of the field on the first play of the drive, and it's just a hair overthrown, but it hits him in both hands and he drops it because he's not an alpha receiver. He's scheming up these looks, man. They're there. They're they're so there. All they're all over the tape. He's doing the things. He's making largely the best out of what he's given and his ingredients list like Vrabel same ingredients list it's it's not great it's really flawed and that offensive line which we're going to talk about a lot more later is the biggest reason why things are going poorly but folks need to understand yes he's not perfect absolutely not perfect he needs to do some things differently he has made some mistakes I'm not again this is not black and white don't fall into the trap of thinking Easton saying it's black and white Tim Kelly's perfect He's not. He's made some mistakes. I have publicly been calling for him to be a little bit more creative in some spots, to to, to <clears throat> change up some things when when something obviously isn't working and just try something different. Um, so obviously, the getting into the red zone and then in the red zone, running out of gas is a big problem, and he shares some blame there. But in the red zone, I would say that the blame pie is like 
35% Tim Kelly, 65% personnel and, and, and execution because his, his hands, JT, they are so tied in so many instances. Here's a stat, for example, right? The most pass blocking snaps by skill players in the NFL. Tight end Trayvon Wesco leads tight ends. 68 snaps was the most um, as of this past weekend. Wide receiver Nick Westbrook-Akine last weekend, seven snaps where he's just blocking. That's the most in the NFL for his position group. And then running back Tajay Spears, 37 snaps, most on true pass sets, according to PFF, I believe, in terms of running backs in there to block. The Titans are using their skill players so much more than any other team to help the offensive line pass block. And when I say offensive line, I largely mean they are devoting a ton of resources that aren't tackles to help the tackles. And somehow still the tackles are folding like a cheap suit. So it's, it's, it's astonishing and embarrassing even more so along those lines, but they are having to dedicate Tim Kelly's having to dedicate so many resources to just like holding up in pass protection, holding up in run blocking that his hands are tied because he simply has to devote those resources to operate it all. A lot of fans tie. And I, in the moment I said the same thing last week, second time the Titans were in the red zone for, I forget what happened on first down, but they didn't get anywhere. Second down, they run out a bunch of big boys. It's a jumbo package. You got Derek Henry and I formation clearly, obviously about to try to run the ball between the tackles. It also does not work. A lot of fans saying that's so obvious. It's so predictable. It's so uncreative. And this is not to pat myself on the back too much, but I, I came up with this earlier this week and I'm going to run with it probably until the day I die, as long as I'm working in sports media, because it's a bar. Okay. So write this down, boys and girls. Unpredictability is a privilege of the talented. Unpredictability is a privilege of the talented. This team is not talented enough to be unpredictable like you want them to. That's not a Tim Kelly issue. That's a personnel issue. That's an execution issue. He has to do what he's doing in a lot of cases because he doesn't have the talent on the roster to be unpredictable, to be creative. And I want to talk about the double-edged sword of this call for more creativity. And then we'll, we'll get some responses from, from the comments because I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this. I, I am one of many calling for, you got to be more creative than that. You got to try something new. Let's, let's dial it up. Fair. But you have to realize, you need to step back and realize, when I say this, I know everybody, I know you're all very, we have a very smart audience. We've been blessed with some very smart individuals to listen to this show. So you're going to get this when I say it. Oftentimes when a, when a coach that has a crap set of tools to work with goes from being predictable and sticking with the fundamentals to being creative and thinking outside the box and trying new things, and it also works just as poorly, the, the the ranting and screaming and, and, and gnashing of teeth from from the, the angry mob turns from quit being so predictable, quit being so mundane, try something new to quit being so cute out there, quit getting so like you got get back to fundamentals, keep it simple. Clearly, you're you're doing too much. Do less, do less like that's what you hear. That's I think what is very liable to happen for this Titans team. If they were to do that, if they were to try to get super creative, if you replace Tim Kelly with the most innovative guy that you can think of calling offenses in the NFL, put a Mike McDaniel in there, put a Kyle Shanahan in there, put a Ben Johnson from Detroit in there. Like, would it be better potentially? And it'd be different for sure. But I think that those guys also not miracle workers, also just good coaches would 
be in a situation where on some Sundays, if not every Sunday, you're saying you've got to chill out. You've got to do less. Like you're getting too creative. It goes both ways because you don't have the talent. JT, what are the folks, what do they think about this? Yeah, I mean, Evan James chimes in here and says this offensive line has done Kelly no favors. Um, I mean, Logan, lightly. Yeah, Logan says that. So what you're saying is our skill players suck at blocking because that's obviously is. that that the is the line there. is good. It's the skill players that are the issue. Um, and Logan also chiming in again um, that he's saying I'd like to see Kelly run Derrick Henry out of wider sets. We can't run against the stacked box, so that is his gripe. Um, and I think that really, like, like you're saying, it, it's not, it's not that the creativity isn't there. It's just the consistency. Right. And so like when, when you, when you go back to, to a boring play, when you start being boring <laughs> once again, like it just be consistent in it, you know, it, it, it's hard to, to do both at the same time, but you can do both effectively, not, not all the time, but like at a more consistent, yeah, a more consistent rate. No, I, I totally agree. Um, Kyle's saying great point. That's why we are fanatics, LOL. They are damned if they do and damned if they don't. That is absolutely, Kyle, the state of this Tennessee Titans offense. And again, that is not to say that this is a perfect coordinator, that this is a perfect offense. There are flaws. There are issues. It, it, is, it is gray. This is not a black and white thing. Nothing is. But largely, it's a, I'm pointing to the personnel over the coordination stony with the sobros network saying he has to go finish the cooper veeb film study but he loves the show so much thanks for doing it stony thank you for your continued support we love you and we love having you on the show um okay next big topic for today before we get to the news and before we get out of here let's talk about the offensive line let's talk about solving the offensive line jt we're gonna crack our bibles for a minute okay we're gonna talk about foundations you cannot be as, as if anybody attended Bible school, you are familiar with the, the song. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Right. And this Titans team, you could you could argue there are position groups and positions more important than your offensive line, than your trenches. Right. You can make that argument. You can't argue, however, that your trenches, that your offensive line is the foundation upon which you build the rest of the team, right? Getting your offensive line in particular right is the Pandora's box that opens up all the other possibilities of things you can do with your team. If you don't get that foundation right, you're screwed. And as is the case, again, with anything in life, whether it is relationships, you can't, you can't build a relationship on something that isn't substantive. You can't build a company on a bad idea. You cannot build your house upon the sand or else the waves are going to come crashing down and wash your house away. This Titans team's foundation is, in fact, currently built upon the sands. It has been for two years. And obviously, that's like it's a very common and popular metaphor, not metaphor, a parable from the Bible, the message of which is, in the Bible, you got to build your foundation in life on Jesus Christ and on God. And I'm not here to televangelize, but like that's the idea. But obviously, it's an applicable one to anything in life. You have to build your foundation on something sturdy. And this Titans offensive line isn't. So the question is, where do they find a sturdy foundation? Glad you asked. The fix, this is what you're hearing a lot about this week and, and the past two years, really, from Titans fans, is like, what? They keep trying. They keep failing. What can they do? What are other teams doing right that this team's doing wrong? Why can't they fix this? I'm here to tell you. 
The solution is so, so simple. And the reason people are struggling with this, asking on social media forums and on Twitter.com and, and on, on, uh, with their buddies at, at the bar, wh- what, what can they do? What are they doing wrong? This is so difficult. I can't find the solution. Yes, you can. You know what the solution is. You just don't want to admit it. Why? Because it sucks. Because it's not fun. Because it's boring. You have to you have to draft them. You have to address it through the draft. And let's dive into that. I have two metaphors, JT, for what this Tennessee Titans team and what their fans are right now when it comes to the offensive line. The first metaphor is this. Titans fan base is a child with a headache or a stomach bug. Hey, mommy, 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 mommy. I don't feel good. What, what do I need to do to feel better? Mom says, well, you need to, here, take this medicine. It's not fun. It's gross, disgusting. But if you want to feel better, I'm here to tell you, that's the fix. This Titans team has to take their medicine. It's also like that guy that everybody knows from high school or college. He's the get rich quick guy, right? He's the guy that is trying so, always trying with his foolproof plans to do anything but work hard to succeed. It's, well, I'm, I'm getting involved. Are you going to college? No, no, no. Are you going to the workforce? Well, no, I'm going, I'm going to go work with a multi-level marketing company, right? Or actually, I'm going to play the stocks. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work, I'm going to work in crypto and uh, just, you know, day trade and see what, see what goes on there. Um, it, it's, it's that guy, right? It's the get rich quick scheme. That is trying to ad- address your offensive line on the fly and patch it with o- offensive linemen on the open market. That's what that is. That's what the Titans have been doing. And you can, I mean, it's not impossible to do it that way. Some folks got really rich from crypto and some folks get really rich from multi-level marketing schemes. It's not generally a good idea. It's a recipe for disaster and the Titans have found disaster, right? That's where they're at. They're the get rich quick guy. They're the kid that don't want to take their medicine. I'm here to tell you, you got to take the medicine. And I've already seen multiple people, JT, pushing back on this idea, getting months and months out ahead of this narrative saying, Oh, you can't, you, all these Titans fans wanting to draft the lineman at three or four or in the top 10 or where you want to draft tackle in the first round. What is this? 1980 talking like we're in a a post blocking world. I don't, I don't know. I guess we're, we're, (laughs) this is, we are so advanced as, as an NFL society. The league is so advanced. We're in a post blocking universe, according to these folks, because they hate the idea. And it's hilarious because it just proves the point that it is, I'm, I'm ready to put it out there. It is impossible to make drafting a lineman high in the draft sexy. You can't do it to the average fan. It is no matter what happens, you can have like with this team, the fact that they've watched this team be single-handedly hamstrung for two years now with terrible, terrible offensive line play. Not the fact that you've watched this team try to address the offensive line on the open market and do nothing but waste assets and money just to not improve at all. Not the fact that nine out of 10 of the starting linemen on the two most dominant offensive lines in the NFL are homegrown drafted talent. None of those facts can change the mind of the average fan. It simply will never be sexy to the average fan. Never, ever. You cannot do it. And you hear a lot of, when I say on social media, when I say to folks, hey, you've got to draft. You've got to do this to the draft, JT. They push back with this idea. And here's a specific one, a response, word for word that I got today. I'm not going to put the guy on blast because I I get where he's coming from. And I've seen this from far more people than one person. So I'm not going to name him by name. But they said, I remember when we drafted Chance Warmack. Haven't we taken linemen high? Oh, yeah, that time we took the dude from Georgia in the first round, and he basically never played for us. Tell me about him. I'm not singling this guy out because I've seen it everywhere, but this is a very basic fallacy, JT. If you come to me and say, Easton, I got to fasten these two boards together. Like, what, what, how, do I, how do I attach this piece of wood 
to this piece of wood. And I tell you, we got to nail them together. Like the solution is you nail them together. If you then go and slam your thumb with the hammer and miss the nail entirely, have you accomplished your goal of fastening the wooden planks together? No, you have not. Does that mean that trying to nail them together wasn't the solution? No, that's very basic human error. That's user error. That doesn't disprove that this is how you do it. So like, yeah, if you draft bad, you're not going to get better. If you do the thing that you have to do to get better, but you do it poorly, it's not going to work. It's a really silly fallacy. I mean, am I crazy on this? Like you draft is the way drafting is hard. The draft is really difficult. There's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot of minutia involved. You, it's, it's a lottery in a lot of ways, but like, it's the way you have to do it. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. What do we think? Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. Like, um, it is going to be a rough sledding here if you're a fan of the draft. Logan gets it. Um, Logan yes, gets it. Logan, as he just says here, we just don't draft. You can't mess up if you don't draft. That is true. Um, however, you're not going to get you're you not going to make 100 percent of Malik... the shots you don't take. Now, this is this is a long way out, right? But like, I you're not betting on the Titans taking a Malik Neighbors or or a yeah. or a um. Keon Coleman right there in the top 10 right now because that's obviously a need but definitely not what what you want it, it feels like we're coming full circle and now it's the Titans time to shine when, when it comes to the the old Joe Burrow uh image where it was Burrow oh, to, about this today it's Burrow gonna be so chase. prevalent I mean Versus, that meme is gonna be wasted we're gonna we're gonna wasted take it this spring yeah. it's gonna be insane um, how much it's used i'm already sick of it and i've not even seen it yet um and and that it's just the adult age-old adage and i think do, um, do the folks uh, i don't i'm not sure everybody gets it can you explain yeah, the meme so, that was very prevalent so this was the jamar chase draft correct yeah, it, the was the, it, it was jamar chase draft it was a big topic of discussion whether it was do you do the tight or the the Bengals draft jamar chase and, and right. give joe burrow his weapon mm-hmm. or do the, the 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 Bengals finally stop getting Joe Burrow killed and give him Penae Sewell, who's this become on one the of the best of the season where he got torn up right yes. towards ACL, correct? Yes. Right. So like maybe protect him with Penae Sewell. Yes, and, and the and the Bengals end up you know going the Jamar Chase route, and that's worked for them. Right. And um, the meme, as, just to paint the picture, yes. the meme was a stick figure Joe Burrow behind a stick figure Penae Sewell. And Joe Burrow is successfully throwing a stick figure pass to a receiver downfield that is titled anybody. Yes. And then the second pain of the meme was a stick figure Joe Burrow behind a stick figure offensive lineman labeled anybody. And then downfield, a receiver labeled Jamar Chase. And it's Joe Burrow attempting to throw to Jamar Chase but getting sacked behind anybody. Like that was the argument. Now, yes. it turns out that this is a terrible example, actually, because it's like the exception that proves the rule. I, I don't know what you were thinking. And again, there are except like I think folks are going to say if the Titans get a very high draft pick. Yeah, you take one of the two offensive linemen. But if you're in the position to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., you might, you might, there's an argument to be made. You have to do that. Like there's, there's a, there's such thing as a transcendental talent you can't pass up on. I, I totally get that. But in general, in general, I think that meme is correct. In general, you do have to protect the guy so he can get the ball downfield to a guy, right? I mean, is that how yeah. you feel? I mean, I, most times I would agree, right? Like, there are very few exceptions. Very few exceptions. And as Evan says here, I think I feel the same exact way. If there's a chance to draft a blindside wall for the decade, he would take that chance. I think right. most GMs would take that chance unless you have a Marvin Harrison Jr. fall into their laps. Now, could a Keon Coleman or a Malik Neighbors, as we get closer to the offseason, do that as well? 
Maybe. I mean, I was about it, to say, it, I hate talking draft this time of year because basically everything is going to change by the time yes. we really get down into um, it. But. However, still at that point, like where where the Titans are currently situated, you, you, you may have the ability to make all of this entire point like null and void because yep. you're going to have a lot of options currently where the Titans are in the draft. Yep, I totally agree. All right, we can keep, I'll keep an eye on the comments. So any, any more thoughts you have? Logan said Easton dropped six metaphors to say the line is horrible. I did. There's, there's so, it's so bad. It's like, you know how there's so many paintings out there in history of like wars and famine and death and disease. And it's like, you just, you go to an art gallery and it's like, you see a lot of that. And you're like, well, of all the beautiful things in the world to paint. Why? Why do we why do we make art out of this? It's because when it's like the it's the accident on the side of the highway that is you, you're in traffic and you pull up and it turns out every single lane of traffic is actually clear. Folks are just slowing down to gawk at the, the accident. And you're like, why are we doing this? But then you get there and you're like, OK, yeah, I do have to slow down and look. I can't. It's human nature. I can't take my eyes off of the thing. There's something about when something is so beautifully, dramatically bad. It's really easy, and uh, it's we're, we're drawn, I think, as humans to try to describe just how bad it is in as many ways as possible. And this Titans team's making it really easy on me. All right, um, we love our wonderful and amazing sponsor, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Check them out. Three locations in Middle Tennessee, East Nashville, Spring Hill, our location, and the Murfreesboro area. Check them out. Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Without further ado, I will get off of my soapbox and hand the mic on over to producer JT. This is the news with producer JT. JT, what have we got? Yeah, and just a couple sat, uh, stats to get back on that soapbox here. Uh, Will Levis currently it, it has, it, like we said on Monday's show, it's not his fault right. because Will we Levis. Did, we did 45 minutes of me using metaphor and literature to explain how bad this offensive line is. Now, JT is going to spend the next data. 15 minutes giving you all the data as to why they're so bad. Um, either way, Will Levis has already been hit the 13th most in the NFL in just three games. Everyone else that's on this not top, just in the last three no, games, not that's in the, the last three season. games. That is okay. the last that the, the top 15. He is sandwiched between Josh Allen and Dak Prescott with oh, that's so bad. Uh, 25 hits. Two of those other three, three quarterbacks, games? two of those other three quarterbacks uh, have played a little bit more ball this season than Will bit. Levis. Um, some other stats here uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball to get back to that. Titans quarterback pressures allowed 95 since week five Titans pressures on opposing quarterback since week five, 43 things are just not going well. That's a double whammy because one of those was supposed to be improved. And one of those was supposed to be dominant and it's the both, not that at all. Yes. And uh, they've been out pressured 47 to 11 over the last two games and 59 to 21 since Will Levis was named the starting quarterback. Tough, Can I pause man. real quick? I have a yeah. question for you. Which sure. of those two things do you think is what's more disappointing to you? The the lack of pressures defensively or the amount of pressures allowed offensively? It's a tough question because they both suck. Personally, I think it's the lack of pressure that the, the Titans defense is getting on quarterbacks right now because the expectations are so much higher than than the, right, offensive, the offensive line. line it's, the, right? it's that meme where it's like our expectations were low, but holy like that's yes. that's what that like, is. My my expectations for the offensive line right now are like SpongeBob's three indoors friends, like the penny, the potato chip and the paperclip. <laughs> like that's who they're rolling out there right now. I'm like, well, yeah, you're not going to do it. What was the town them. he went to when he and Patrick fell into like the deep, deep bottom? And then they oh, like, it's all yeah, the aliens. Rock bottom. Like, yes. Yeah, rock but the rock bottom episode that's where the offensive line is in terms yes. of expectations the the defensive line we 
we had expectations for y'all. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. What are you doing? Um, and then finally here to round out this, this uh, news segment, because the Titans did get the day off today, a, a big, big, as we talked about earlier, a big news breaking today in the uh, offensive coordinator market as the Buffalo Bills fired offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, because obviously he is the reason for Josh Allen throwing those interceptions over the past two right. games and the He's 12th the one man. On, the 12th yes, man. He, he yeah, did. Yeah, it was totally 100%. his fault. Um, but the Bills <laughs> new interim offensive coordinator will be Joe Brady. So the, the Buffalo Bills, it's tough sledding right now for them. And they're looking to shake things up. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I it's it's a weird situation, and it's I mean it really is Sean McDermott emptying the chamber on all of his get out of jail free cards. It's it's him next, like he and he even said in the media today very strangely he he said this decision was mine and mine alone. I made this decision entirely on my own, which is like mixed feelings on that because on one hand it's I respect you telling the truth about what happened, and I respect you taking all of the responsibility as the head coach making that unequivocally clear is cool. However, that seems like, I don't know, the kind of decision you might want to run by some folks first like that. <laughs> Maybe you ask around the building to see if like, what do you think? Just kind of workshop it a little bit. It's one of those situations. And a lot of fans are bills. Fans are, are confused about this. And I was talking to our, our bills fan, shout out Sean Murphy, big bills fan here in town. There's a buddy of, of JT and I about why, like, why is he being so aggressive today about like taking all the responsibility? It feels like to me, do you remember when you were a kid and you you're getting in trouble with your parents? And you knew you're like a cornered rat. And it's like, I have no angle on this. I have no excuse. My only play here is to like get out in front of the noise, get out in front of the scolding and just like try to mea culpa your way out of it and be like, I, you know what? I take responsibility. I messed up. I'm sorry. And that'll kind of soften the blow. You disarm them a little bit. That feels like what he's doing and saying like, Hey, unequivocally, it's me. I know I'm on the chopping block. I know it's put up or shut up time. It, I got it. It's it's on me. Like, let me let me work. Give me one last chance here. And that will kind of make the mob take a beat for a second. Like, that's what this feels like to me. Yeah, I would agree. And that's going to do it for our news. That's today. All right. yes. that is- Sorry, I thought you were going to say something else. No, you're good. That Either is Mr. JT with the news. Want to make sure we don't leave anybody out here in the comments. Uh, David Lawrence. I don't know if this is the David Lawrence that I know. We went to I went to high school with the David Lawrence. Uh, very good friends. I don't, if you're not, I'm still glad you're here. But if this is my David, what's up, David? Um, he says, what if a team like the Vikings makes the playoffs but wants to move up for a quarterback? Uh, do you get their later pick and an extra second or a third? And this is I'm talking I think he's talking ab- about being at the top of the draft. I, mm-hmm. I really like I totally I get the line of questioning. I get the interest. I, I want to let's we do need something to talk about in the spring. No, I was going to the say team. there's there's a lot to talk about in these comments, but <laughs> we, we, kind of, we have kind of to, we need to we need to table them. We've got I guess when we do three shows a week from now until the summer. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about this in general right now, my feelings on it, not to just totally uh, leave you hanging. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're in a situation where they have a top five pick and there's some real trade back opportunity, given the state of this Titans draft situation and how they're already missing some picks, I think like splitting those picks would be a a good idea for them. Um, I don't know where JT just went, but uh, I'll finish out the show here. If I don't know if he just disconnected or what, um, but yeah, it, it it's that's a a big deal if they can get more draft picks out of that. Um, so yeah, just making sure we haven't left anybody else out here. Evan James saying we have so many holes. I'd rather have as many shots as possible. There are no such things as a sure thing when drafting. Absolutely the case, Evan. Let's end on that note. Appreciate all you guys being with us here 
live today. Real quick before you go, a couple of things. Make sure you're subscribed to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube, which is where you're watching this if you're on YouTube. Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. JT just texted me this internet died. No worries. End of the show, buddy. I can, I got it from here. Um, make sure you're subscribed. It's free to you. It's very helpful to us. We're trying to get those numbers up. We want to hit 1,000 on the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. So add your number to that list for us. JT screaming at me in, in my texts to blame Xfinity. Everybody go go t- tweet at Xfinity and get mad at them for him. Um, yeah, subscribe. I'm, I've got a million things going on right now. Uh, Kyle says, thank you guys. Always top-notch content. Kyle, thank you. Appreciate it. Just do us one favor. If you want to thank us, tell your buddies, tell your friends. Shout out the show any way you can. Share the show, retweet, like, all of those things. Very helpful to us. We'll be back on Thursday live from Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill. Come hang out with us. Again, just 20, 25 minutes down the road from downtown Nashville. Very quick shot down I-65. You can come hang out, get some great out-of-town prices. I haven't even really mentioned the prices. The food and, in particular, the drinks. The prices are like a third, at least half of what you get on Broadway, you know, downtown. Like, it is it's, – it's the bang for your buck makes your trip worth it. And – if you come say hey to JT and I, we're doing gift card giveaways each and every week. Just come say hello. Hello, JT. Hello, Easton. I love your show. I hate your show. I, I'm indifferent. To, I don't even know your show, but I know you from social media. Ah, flies. This, I'm gonna. Have to, I'm killing this fly as soon as this show is over, which is off the rails. Um, Just say hey, and we'll give you a, a gift card so you can eat and drink on our dime on Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House's dime. That's how kind they are. That's how much we love our sponsors over there. All right. Enough gibberish from me we'll be back live at 5 30 p.m central standard time previewing the titans in week 11 big time matchup against division rival jacksonville jaguars they're big underdogs we'll talk about what this game could mean for them what we want to see from them and if an upset is possible until then for producer jt whose internet really screwed him over at the end of the show sorry you couldn't be with us buddy i'm your host Houston freeze this has been the hot read podcast have a great wednesday we'll talk to you thursday evening